0: Good morning. Hey, we're going to do something a little different, and we're just kind of uh, stripping down the stage. We had, oh goodness, we had three graduation services this past Friday in this sanctuary, and it was packed with kids and parents and everything, so we just kind of told the band, hey, just chillax, and and we'll, we'll have a nice relaxed morning, but I'm glad you're here. If you're with us online, welcome to Port Orange Church of the Nazarene. If you're here with us in person, welcome. Uh, We're just going to sing a little bit about our God and his greatness, and uh, I invite you to stand. I invite you to sit. I invite you to find a posture that you feel comfortable with where we can worship today. So here we go. Don't we? So we pray that our hearts and our minds are open to the Holy Spirit. So let's sing this together Open the eyes of my heart.
1: you
2: there's a better place to be at than in the position of saying, I want to see you. I want to see you. Your word says, those who seek, they'll find. Those who knock, the door will be opened. Lord, my prayer this morning is that as a body of Christ, as your body, that Lord, that we would truly in our hearts Long to see you and your kingdom and your glory and your presence in this place. Lord, that we, would, that we would set aside the busyness outside of these doors. The chaos and the things that just call us away from you, Lord. And that, that we would just seek your face. Lord, I pray that we ready our hearts. Lord, I pray that we ready our hearts this morning. And we begin to bang on the door and knock on the door of your kingdom. And Father, may you open up the floodgates of heaven. Open up our hearts. Lord, we cry out to you, Lord. You are the holy God, the one that is above all gods. Lord, we lift your name. We ask that you be with us here this morning. We welcome you into this place. We welcome you into our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, it's so great to see your faces. Did you notice something a little different here about the sanctuary? Uh, you know, normally half of it's a little cut off here. So I walked in this morning, I was like, Whoa, what's going on? And so, uh, you know, what a what a wonderful opportunity that that we're able to uh, you know, Get that wall out of there real quick here and just kind of you nobody I guess nobody's really seen the full sanctuary after the renovation of it. And so those of you guys who are new, we uh we put new carpets in, we painted, and uh we did a whole bunch of things to the sanctuary, and so I'm glad to be able to see it here on a Sunday morning. Uh guys, we are here to worship the Lord. We're here to call upon his name, uh, and we are here to hear what he has for us today. Uh, but we are not here alone. If you look around uh, you know, I wish I could just take a camera and kind of just point it all across to everybody. But then also, if you look around, you're not alone. You're not alone. And so, uh, you know, we, the, the faith that we live out is not meant to live out alone. And so that's why we practice here uh, at Porto Church of the Nazarene, passing the peace with one another. Not only do we want this wonderful connection that we so desperately need with a loving God that wants that deep connection with us, but he wants us to have that connection also with one another to care, to love for one another. Uh, There's a while back I I said one time, the Lord wants to do something for those in need, but a lot of times he uses us to to take care of that. And so, again, we're here for each other. And so may I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Go and practice that peace Pass it. If you're here in the building, it might look like an air five, a wink or anything like that. If you're online, feel free to tag somebody. And as well as even if you're in the building, Pull out your phone and you can go to our Facebook page and tag somebody. But pass the peace to one another. Guys, we have a few announcements here. Let me go ahead and go over these real quick. One of them is this. We have the Lipscombs coming on June 13th. Uh, they're going to be coming by and we're going to help them move. And so feel free to stay in tune with our Facebook page, as well as if you're not in touch with our blast. Uh, see, Pastor and he's going to let you, he's going to teach you how to get in touch with our blast at the end of service if you need to. You know, when you send out a text message, we all get it. Uh, but he's going to let us all know that we're, we're, we want to help them move. We want to help them get into their new home. Uh, you know, they, they are moving. Listen, I've always had very small homes, right? And then when it came time to moving, it was very dreadful, right? Moving like a two-bedroom. I could only imagine them moving a whole entire house all the way across all these states. And so they're definitely going to need our help. So stay in tune, and we'll let you guys know exactly when we need that help and, and the time frame. Uh, as well as we have the series, the book that we're going to dive into, Not a Fan, not a fan. You see, we're not called to just be fans and and say, hey, woo, woo, Jesus, but we're called to be followers. And so uh, we want to encourage you guys to get a book. One of the awesome things that I loved about it was I asked her and I said, what's the price of the book? And I believe it was it was 10 for $10. And you know, the awesome thing about it is the church has actually bought them for more money than that. And, and we're saying, hey, look, we're going to give them to you guys at a discounted price because we really want you to get one. So even if you don't think that you might be uh, able to come and join us for that series and for that for for that uh, for the extra service that we have here for that, you could still get a book and read it. It's a great book to have. And and even still, if, if Garrett ever references it on the Sunday morning, then you know exactly what he's talking about. I got some other news on July 4th. You can't miss it. The 4th of July. We have Jeff Hendricks coming along with his family and. He is a missionary. Now listen to this. I don't really know too much myself about Jeff Hendricks. However, I'll give you this little nugget here. You ready? I heard the last time that he had to speak, he's a missionary for the Church of Nazarene, and the last time he had to speak for us, we were asked to cut off the streaming because whatever he had to say was so important. I mean, this guy goes on the missions that a lot of missionaries don't want to go on, and so... Uh, we want to welcome him into our church and hear what mission he has for us. Uh, he's going to be here on July 4th, and so if, if even if you're online, we want to encourage you, come on in, because the last thing we want to do is uh, is have to cut off the live stream just in case he has to tell us something important about the next mission that he has for us. So stay tuned for that. That is the 4th of July. You can't really miss it, right? The 4th of July. Um, we're then going to now continue our worship and our tithes and offering. Uh, it just... I was thinking just yesterday, you know. I'm reminded as as we as we begin this type part of the service, uh, I had I was visiting some family yesterday in Deltona, and they were asking me. They were asking me about tithe and you know, hey, what do you give and things like that, and how much do you give and what does it look like and things. And they were just kind of curious about it all, and and they kind of were just thinking they, they were kind of falling along the lines of like, isn't it difficult? You know, hey, you could save a little more, you could give a little more to this, give a little more to that, whatever the case is. And, you know, and, and, and I told him, I said, it's, it's out of joy. It's out of joy. It's out of a pure heart. It's, it's, it's out of the Lord speaking to me and speaking to us and, and letting us know exactly what it is. And so let's pray for this time that we have, that we can continue in our worship. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, <laughs> I pray that you would warm our hearts. Father, that you would bless this time, that you would show us the blessing that this time has. That we're able to give back to you in your ministry. So, Father, I pray that you would bless the offering. Bless the giver, Lord. And, Lord, may we do it cheerfully, with cheerful hearts, eager, Lord, to give back to your kingdom and what you've given for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to see a couple different ways here on the screen that you're able to give, as well as we have drop boxes in the back foyer on the way out that you're able to give.
3: is the enemy's second best tactic. His best is materialism. For me, I know that if I woke up tomorrow and had to lose my house, take my kids out of school, and I lost everything, the first thing I would question would be God. Yet the people I meet with in Iraq who have been displaced time and time again, I mean they've lost everything, any of their safety and security and finances, all of their possessions, they've lost everything. But they can still tell you I've Jesus and he's worth every single bit of it. Because the reality is that I've seen many Christians survive persecution, but I've seen very few survive prosperity. I don't experience persecution, but I promise you, if I lived a publicly visible, bold, Jesus-loving, gospel-sharing life, I promise you I'll be persecuted. I've realized that for 30 years I've been following a kind of Jesus I've conformed to my lifestyle, not the Jesus from the Bible, but as I met with the persecuted church, as I read the Gospels and I started to reconcile the two that the things I was seeing in country and the Gospels I was reading I realised the persecution to find Christ's life you see Jesus came in to teach the world to love and the thing is in that moment there are two options there's fear or love more often than not we choose fear because fear is by far the easier option it's characterised by gossip inflammatory talk and sort of coming together and, and really doing nothing but the other option is love and the thing with love that makes it terrifying is that it requires no it demands a response in fact it's what made Jesus' walk on earth so profound instead of inciting the world into fear he taught the world to love and look how that worked out for him persecuted to the point of death you see as far as persecution and gospel goes they're inseparable and what I love is that when you go into these places where the persecuted church is under extreme pressure more often than not you see the local church doing what it does best and what it was called to do, and that's be the hands and feet of Christ to those living in their community, no matter their faith, religion, color, or creed. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's it. It's salvation. It's always been about salvation. It's the realization that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and through him, we receive eternal life. Blessed are the persecuted? Absolutely, because we have an eternal salvation in Christ.
0: just joining us for the first time. We have been working through the Sermon on the Mount and we have been in the Beatitudes since Easter. And, uh, and we are coming to our final two Beatitudes today and uh, I've really, I feel like this series has been timely for us and has said some things that, to us that God wants to say to us If you've missed some of them, I encourage you to go back and watch them. You can get them online on YouTube or on Facebook um, or on our website. Um, Some important things that we talked about. And we started off, if you'll recall, uh, Pastor Jen started on Easter, and she talked about the fact that the blessing is not what you get from God. The blessing is the partnership with God. That's the blessing. That God is with us. That it can be not only God with us, but we with God. And we partner with God in ministry. Can you imagine how that could transform your life if you started to think the blessing is less about me and more about who I partner with? The creator of the universe. And then we talked about if we're going to understand the Sermon on the Mount, because we can't just... Pick this out and kind of extrapolate it and say, well, this is a cute thing to talk about because there's a context. And so we said, we got to have two questions that we're always asking ourselves if we want to understand the Sermon on the Mount and honestly, if we want to understand any passage in Scripture. Right? The questions are, hopefully you know it by now, who is being spoken to? Who's this message for? I mean, someone is being addressed. Who is being addressed? And what's the setting? What's going on in their life in the nation, in the world? What's going on that's causing this speaker to say this thing to this person? And we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, all goes back to the mission of Jesus. And the mission of Jesus was clearly stated in Matthew 4:17 where Jesus said, he went around and he said, "Repent" Kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. That's a big fancy word we use. It means turn around. It means you're going this way. And this way is leading to nothing good. You need to turn around. Turn to Jesus. Jesus is the good way. Jesus is the way. The truth. The life. Repent. Turn around from what you're doing. Ask God to forgive you and let him start to transform your life. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is at heaven. And we talked about, if you will recall, man, this is a long time ago, wasn't it? We talked about this, this guy, Tim Noble, and this woman, Sue Webster, and they, they created this artwork. Am I going to get to it? Hold on. I've got to turn this on. And if you'll recall, the way we set this whole thing up is who is Jesus talking to? talking to a bunch of lowly fishermen. He's talking to the nobodies of this world. He's talking to the people that nobody's asking them for spiritual advice. Nobody's asking them for help. And then at the end of chapter four, you see that even more people are joining. People are flocking to Jesus and they're the nobodies. They're the poor, the outcast, the homeless, the needy, the sick, the disabled. These are the people that are following Jesus. These are the people that the world would look at and say they're nothing but a pile of junk. They're nothing worth looking at. But then we talked about the beauty of this artwork is when the right light shines upon it, it transforms what is and what is seen as nothing and garbage And turns it into something different. Turns it into something beautiful. It turns it into something that only is seen fully through the light of something else. And so, Jesus wants to shine his light on these people, these poor, these downcast, these these nobodies, and say, You know what? In my light... I don't see you that way. I don't see you as nothing or nobody. I see you as so much more, something much more interesting and much more beautiful if you'll just walk in my light. And so then we get to the Beatitudes, and in Matthew chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. If you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be for a while, so you might as well just bookmark it. We talked about how Jesus went up on the mountain, and we talked about how that's a nod to Moses, the the original um, guy in the Old Testament that's Giving the law, telling the people the way to live, choose life that you may Now we have Jesus, who is the new Moses. Jesus who is saying, This is the way to life. You want to know what life is like in the kingdom of God? It's going to look like this. And he says, God blesses those who are poor and realizes their needs, their need for Him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses those who are emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically poor. God blesses those who are hurting. The kingdom of heaven is for them. And we talked about how... Well, have you ever just felt invisible? Like you weren't seen? The beauty of this very first blessing... Can you imagine... Being in the crowd, being who you are, and Jesus starts to say, blessed are, and you think, oh, I've heard these blessings before. This doesn't include me. And then he does a twist and says, blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit. And all of a sudden, you start to think, wait a minute, this Jesus is for me too? And we talked about how this first blessing is the beauty of that Jesus sees us even when we're invisible, The question is, will we allow ourselves to be truly seen by a loving God? And then the next one, we took kind of out of order. We took the next three and we talked about how um, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or for justice. When you see the hurting in the world around you, you see the pain that's going on, and you just just hunger for the, the things to be made right. It just bothers you. You you see it, and it creates this desire in you that can't be easily filled. You can't just forget about it. And because you have this hunger and this thirst for righteousness, it affects you. It affects you because you realize that in and of yourself you can't do anything, because you have this meekness, because blessed are the meek. And the meek doesn't mean you're cowardly. It means that you have a right understanding of who you are. I like how the blessing, uh, the message puts this, trans, this verse. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. So you see, you have, the, you have this hunger and this thirst for righteousness, and you realize that I'm only me. I can only do so much, but I can do something. And you start to recognize the the inconsistencies of the world and it breaks your heart and you're blessed when you mourn. You're blessed when you come alongside, when you're willing to sit in the misery of others for the glory of God. God blesses those who mourn because they will be comforted. And then we talked about you're blessed when you show mercy. And I don't know if you remember uh, this sermon, but we talked about Judge Caprio. He's the judge that's famous on TV and and so many times Clearly the person deserves justice. And yet he offers this mercy. And and that's the sermon that we talked about, the mango tree center. If you remember the kingdom of Tonga, um, if you are born with a disability, you are pretty much seen as discardable. You are a nothing. And in the kingdom of Tonga, if you are born with a disability, there is a good chance that you will never see the outside of the room that you were born in. You're born, the curtains are drawn, and that is where you will live your life. And we talked about um, Nguan, who went there, and they started building this ministry um, that gave wheelchairs for disabled people so that they could get out. And all of a sudden, the stigma started to change, not all over Tonga, but in little pockets. And all of a sudden, hope was found because there was mercy People were loving these people unconditionally because mercy is an act of caring. It's an act of compassion for someone who's hurting. Then we talked about how, um, well, we skipped again and we went to God works. God helps those um, who are peacemakers. God blesses those who are peacemakers. And we talked about how there's a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Right? Right? And I'm not saying that one isn't needed. I'm saying we are called to be peacemakers in this world. And that looks, it looks like this. You see two parties at odd with each other, and you care deeply for both of them. You care for both sides, and you want reconciliation, and you want restoration, and you want it so much. You want this righteousness and this This justice that you're hungering for and you understand that it's just you, I'm just me, I'm just meek, but I'm mourning with these people, these people who are broken and they're poor and I can do something and so I'm going to step in the middle of this and I'm going to risk being the target of both of them because if i like you and I like you and you guys are at odds with each other, when I come in the middle, you both expect me to take your side and when I don't, chances are you're both going to turn your anger on me, but I'm willing to take that chance. Because I understand that God, his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And I'm an agent of God's, and so I am called to be a peace maker. And I understand that it's not just me with peace with God, but it's peace with each other. And remember we talked about, I think it's Matthew five twenty six that Jesus says, if you have something, if you come to bring an offering and you've got an issue with a neighbor, leave the offering. Fix this relationship before you try to glorify me in this relationship. And we talk about that's why we pass peace. It's a liturgical element that a lot of churches don't do, but we understand the importance of it because if we're not right with each other, we can't fully be right with God. And so we practice peace with each other because we want this wholeness and this completeness of God. And we can be merciful and we can be peacemakers because we have this purity of heart. God blesses the pure and hard. You remember Pastor Jen talked about, you remember the ivory, I'm going to clean as real as ivory, it's got to be 99.44. And I was like, no, no, God wants not just 99.44, God is looking for purity. God, God, is looking, God is looking for people who are completely his. And as we are refined by the fire, we become a little more pure. And a little more pure, and it doesn't always happen instantly, but as God in God's Spirit transform us and make us a little more like Jesus every day, we become a little more pure and a little more pure. And you remember, we talked about how um, there there is this purity that children have, and this this awe and wonder that they have in the world, and you're blessed. When you begin to see God working all around you and you've got this purity of heart and mind, you start to see not obstacles, but you see opportunities. You don't see anger, but you see people that are hurting that need God's peace. And you begin to be through the purity of your heart that is coming from God as he's making you a peacemaker and you're extending mercy. And do you see how these are all kind of connected together now? And when that happens... Well, when that happens, expect the last two blessings. Verse 10 says this. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And and once again, for the second time, we see there's this kingdom of heaven that's at play. That's the goal. That's where we're starting. That's where we're wanting to end. We want the kingdom of heaven. We want God's kingdom to come. God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when you are acting as an agent of Jesus, you cannot expect the world to treat you differently than they treated Jesus. And so Jesus says, you're blessed because you're with me on mission. Remember? That's the blessing. That we're with Jesus. But when you're with me, There are some things that you're going to, well, you're going to be persecuted. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really face persecution. I mean, there are times we say, oh man, I had to work late hours. Oh, I'm so sorry, that's okay, it's just my cross to bear. No, it isn't. That's called you being a human in a work world. That's, That's not persecution. That's life. It's different. And we don't really face it. Having difficulties looks more like John chapter 15. uh, Verse 18 through 24. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. You're no longer part of that world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. I chose you to partner with me. I chose you to bless you. I chose you to be a blessing for others. And so the world is going to hate you because it hates me. Do you remember what I told you? A slave's not greater than its master. And since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, They would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me. For they've rejected the one who sent me. You're going to get persecuted because you side with Jesus who was persecuted because they were not willing to listen and submit to God. They wouldn't be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my Father. If I hadn't done so much miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they've seen everything I did, and yet they still hate me and the Father. Persecution happens when you live a life that goes against the desires of the world. The world's going to hate you. Because you're living in a different realm. You're living in this kingdom of God. And they want your allegiance to be anywhere else. Whether it's money, or materials, or work, or they... They don't care what other allegiance you choose, as long as it's not the kingdom of God. And before we say, well, that's the olden days. I mean, yes, okay, I get it. But no one's really persecuted like that. I mean, come on. No, it's it's really not that old. In 2010, Christianity Today, it's a magazine, reported that in the 20th century, from 1900 to 2000, In the 20th century, there were over 26 million known people that were martyred for their faith. 26 million that they know of. Let's put that in context. That means that since we started going live, 22 people have been martyred for their faith. Don't tell me that we're not in a world of persecution because we are. We just happen to live in a corner of the world where it's not as obvious. And suddenly these words of Jesus in John chapter 15, they don't seem as figurative, do they? Because when we when we choose to usher in the kingdom of heaven into our daily lives, we can assume that we will be persecuted in very real ways. It doesn't mean that we will, but we have to assume that we will. Because they hated Jesus, so they will naturally hate us. We assume that it will happen because Jesus told it will happen. And if it's not that extreme, verse 11 and 12, God blesses you when people mock you. And they persecute you and they lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you because you're my followers. I, I feel like that may be a little more where a lot of us are. The mocking, the lying, like we we can identify that a little more in our lives. But I want to be sure that we understand that both are still happening in this world. God blesses you when that's happening. Be happy about it. One of the weirdest sentences in the Bible. But be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Once again, the kingdom of heaven, king, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near, blessed are the poor, the kingdom of heaven, blessed are you when you first, kingdom of heaven, hey, be happy about it, because there's a kingdom of heaven that is a real reality, and when these things are happening, you are part of that kingdom, and remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way, God blesses you when you're doing the right thing, have you ever been in that situation, I know that like when I play golf and I'm with one other person and the golf place pairs us up with two people that we don't know. Um, This happened a lot in Texas, and my buddy and I were both pastors, and the goal was that we didn't tell them we were pastors. Because as soon as we mentioned the word pastor, everything changes. All of a sudden, they're worried about, what have I said? (laughs) But they're also automatically putting on me every stereotype that they have about Christians, every misconception that they have, every time that they've seen a hypocritical person that says they follow Jesus, and then they do something rotten, and they put that on me. Have you ever been there? You're friends with someone, you start a new job, I don't know, situation, and like, you're getting along great. And then all of a sudden they hear that you go to church or that you love Jesus or that you're trying to follow him or that you're trying to bring the kingdom of God in the kingdom of heaven into this reality and all of a sudden there's this barrier. They don't want anything to do with you because they've been around those Jesus people. They don't like those Jesus people and they assume that you're one of them and that you have the same flaws that they see Happening all the time in the world by people who carry their Bible and yet don't live their lives like anything in it. And you're not bad, you're just trying to follow Jesus. You're not evil, but they assume you're just like everyone else. Jesus says, get ready for it, expect it. I mean, honestly, it's like the video said. If we're truly living on mission for Jesus and God's kingdom, we really should expect it a little more, don't you think? I've been really convicted the last couple weeks as I've been preparing how little I get confronted with, oh, you're one of those Christians? Like, It makes me wonder, am I living in a way that people can identify that I'm part of the kingdom of God? I kind of worry that I'm not being identified more that way. But Jesus says to expect it. And that's why purity of heart is so important. Because we desperately need to see God. We need to see God moving in our lives and moving in our situations. And so it's not just blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It's blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And we need purity of heart so that others are seeing a true picture of Jesus. We need to be living our lives in awe and wonder of all that God is doing so that God can continue to use us in a mighty way and continue to usher in God's kingdom because of the way we are living. And we are living for Jesus because Jesus, that's what it's about. Jesus was all about restoring and renewing. All things. And so, we receive these blessings and it gives us strength to continue to be present with the poor. It gives us strength to continue to be with the mourning. It gives us perspective so that we see ourselves and we have this meekness, but we also see this world that is not living like the Kingdom of Heaven, and we have this hunger and this thirst for righteousness because of this new perspective that we have, and it gives us this desire this desire to show mercy. Have you ever just you don 't deserve but i you don 't say that, but you just pour mercy on someone it gives you this desire to be a person of peace. I find myself looking at Facebook a lot less because I don't feel peaceful when I'm on it. I want to be a person of peace. And it gives me not only this strength and this perspective and this desire, it gives me this perseverance. These blessings give me this perseverance to continue to be all that God has called me to be even though I know that persecution is now on the table. That is a very real possibility. And I don't live this way so that God will bless me. I live this way because God has already blessed. We don't have this transactional relationship where it's like, God, I'll live this way if you'll bless me. No, Jesus Starts off saying, you are blessed. You are blessed when this happens. You are blessed when you live this way. You are already blessed. And so I choose to live into this blessing because Jesus blessed before I was even worthy. It's like Romans 5.8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. It wasn't clean up your act and then I'll bless you. It's I am blessing you, and the blessing is going to be part of your restoration and part of your healing and part of your purifying and part of the mercy that I want to give you and part of the partnering with me, which helps you see these acts of unrighteousness. The blessing is the blessing is that you and I, when we were poor, When we feel unimportant. When we are hurting. And when we need mercy. When you and I need peace. When we're impure and hostile towards God. When all of that was happening. At just the right time Christ came. And God came to save us. And to bless us. So, my question for you today is where do you find yourself in this passage? For some of us, we will identify very much with the crowd because we are in need of mercy or we are in the middle of mourning we are in the middle of the frustration of seeing the chaos of the world and we know that it's not the way of God and it's not the kingdom of heaven living out in front of us, or we are poor, poor in spirit, poor emotionally, poor physically, maybe we identify very literally with the crowd that Jesus was talking to. And the good news is the blessing that was for them is the blessing that is for us as well. God wants to bless us when we are in this situation through this upside-down kingdom-of-heaven lifestyle that Christ has ushered in. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you identify a little less with the crowd. And so some of these words are challenging to us. Few people would say, They want to be in this group. Few people would say, yay, I'm suffering right now. Yay, I'm being persecuted. I'm poor. I'm struggling with purity. No, nobody wants to be there. And so it's challenging for us. They're challenging because we have a decision to make. Because even if we're not right there with them, we are still called to live just like Jesus is calling them to live. And more times than not, in our affluent lives, with our houses and our two and a half kids and dog, we identify less with the people that Jesus is speaking to in the sermon and we identify more with the rich dude that came to Jesus and said what do I need to do to have eternal life? And then he says, oh I'm, I'm doing everything you're saying Jesus I'm following all the rules, is there anything else? And Jesus says, yeah how about you try completely surrendering everything to me and he leaves sad because he had a lot to live for in his mind. So I don't know where you find yourself. I'm guessing you find yourself in one of those two camps. The question is, how you will you respond? And I want to finish by talking, if you'll recall at the very beginning, we talked about these these blessings, these beatitudes Each of them gives us a little glimpse. It's like a little piece of a stained glass window. And when we put, when we separate them, they're good. But when we put them all together, we start to see this picture. And I asked you on the very first week what I want you to be thinking about is whose image do you see in the Beatitudes? Can you think of someone that came from poor? unimpressive circumstances. Someone who mourned and grieved over the state of the world. Oh, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you back. He was extremely important, but he didn't think of himself as important. Paul would write it, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. Can you think of someone who longed to see God's world set right? So with small acts of mercy to hurting individuals, this person showed grace and pure devotion to the cause of the kingdom and he, and he inserted himself into dangerous situations between people that were always at war with each other and always hurting each other and it got him persecuted, in fact it got him killed. And the death of Jesus, who is the perfect embodiment of these blessings. His death was not the unfortunate death of a great social worker. I want to be sure that we understand that because a lot of these things can sound like social justice, which is a good thing. But this is not what we're talking about. This was not the death of a great social worker. His death actually epitomized the values of the kingdom of heaven. And by setting aside his status and dying in our place, he took on himself the consequences that were rightfully for this world that has screwed up creation in our lives time and time again. And it's in this resurrection from the dead that we see Jesus' commitment to goodness in our world and redeeming it. He offers hope. He offers forgiveness. He offers life to all who will grab on him. Jesus is the epitome of these blessings. And that's good news for unimportant, insignificant, hurting people like us. So we close these 12 verses and we end the way we started with just a simple reminder. The blessing is not the stuff. The blessing is the partnership with God. These nine beautiful promises Well, they also come with a sober warning. They display this image of our risen Jesus. And when we say we want to look like this risen Jesus, this is what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus is willing to do to seek and save the lost. And any other version of Jesus is a counterfeit Jesus. If it doesn't look like this humble king, it's missing the mark. My prayer is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will begin to be shaped into this picture of God that we see in these Beatitudes. That we'll understand that the ultimate goal is salvation and restoration, not just individually, but corporately and collectively. So Matthew, this is where we're going to end. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. These blessings, this is what Jesus looks like. From verse 13 through Matthew 7:26, the rest of the sermon, this is what it looks like when he fleshes out verses 1 through 12. And then actually in Matthew 8 through around 13, he lives out most of these sermon points that are based back on the Beatitudes. And so, as we continue on this journey, we're going to see what it will look like to flesh these Beatitudes out in our daily life and how, how we can learn to be more like Jesus by living this way. I'm excited for the journey. I hope you are, and I hope that you will join me on this. Let's pray. God, There are times that it feels like we've, we've gone at a snail's pace, but there's so much here. So many, So many things that we're leaving out for time's sake, and yet my prayer is that Your Spirit has told each of us exactly what we need to hear today. God, You have not called us to plush lives. You've called us to holy lives. And sometimes those intersect and sometimes they don't. But at the end of the day, holiness is what we long for. To be made a little more pure. To have a little more mercy. To have a little more compassion and a little more association with those that are hurting. To see the injustices of this world. To be people who... They just walk in the room and the atmosphere changes with this peace that we bring. Because we understand it's not our peace, it's your peace. Jesus, I pray that you will make us more like this. And as we dive more into the rest of the sermon over the coming weeks, God, I pray that you will prick our hearts. That you will expose sin in our lives that needs to be surrendered to you. That you will give us a new desire to go deeper with you and to commit more to you. And that you will help us to release things and let go of things that we've held on to for far too long and they're not of you and we need to let go of them because we can't hold on to your hand when we have stuff in it. I pray that you'll help us to let go so that we can fully. Embrace you. Thank you. Thank you that this isn't a merit based transaction. We live this way not so that we can be blessed, but because we understand what you have done for us. We live this way out of a response of love and joy for all that you have done and are doing in our lives. Thank you, God. Amen. Well, now we come to a time uh, of communion. And y'all, this is really weird. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Jen is back with the kids. And so I I feel like I'm doing a lot more. And I'm sorry. She's much better at this and much better to look at. But you got me. So uh, we're going to come to a time of communion. If you don't have your elements, There's some back on the table. Feel free to grab it now. We come every Sunday to the table. I have friends um, in my accountability group, and they have affirmation statements. And they said every morning they get up and they read this so they they can remember who they are in Christ. And they're like, I've got it memorized now. But I read it every day because I need a reminder of who I am Otherwise, I will easily forget and go astray. We come to the table every week because it's so easy to forget that we didn't set this table. It's so easy to live our lives like we did. And we didn't. This is a table of grace, and we need it daily. We need it minute by minute so if you have your elements we celebrate uh, this somber evening when jesus was with his disciples and they gathered together at the beginning of the passover a great time of celebration a time where kids would say father why do we do this and the dad would say we do this because god did this for us Because God rescued us while we were slaves in Egypt. God came and did something miraculous. And so we celebrate this night of Passover where we were spared from death. And it was at a table celebrating that that Jesus took these elements and he transformed them into something new. And he said, This bread, this bread represents my body which will be broken for you take eat and be thankful and in the same way he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said a prayer and chances are he sang a hymn and then he said this cup represents the new covenant Because our Jesus is always doing something new, isn't he? He said, this cup represents my blood, which will be poured out for you. And for the forgiveness of sins. Wow. Take, drink, and be thankful. Thank you, God, for your grace. demonstrated your love for this, for us, and while, and while we were still sinners, you died for us. A lot of people will do good things, but very few would die for someone. And that's what you did. You died for us. You died So that we could live into this kingdom of heaven that you ushered in. I pray that you will help us to live our lives as children of yours. Child of the one true king. I pray that you will help us to live our lives with eyes open and hearts pure. I pray that you will help us to live our lives in a state, in a posture of falling down, and worshiping you daily by the way we work, by the way we clean our house, by the way we love our kids. May every act be a holy moment because we're living for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Oh, it's been good to be with you today. Uh, Let's sing our benediction together, and we'll see you next week as we launch uh, into the next portion, I think, unless God changes it between now and Sunday. Um, Let's sing together. We sing hallelujah. Let your
1: kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go
0: in your name.
1: We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us.
0: Go this week to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday.